Hey guys, welcome to the weekly podcast of Bethel Assembly, Sedalia, Missouri. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. If you want more information about Bethel Assembly, please go to our website, BethelAssembly.info. Thanks again. It has been a tremendous series for me. I have loved this series because we're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the part of the Godhead that we normally push to the side or we ignore because we really don't know what to do with him. We're not really sure. There's a lot of controversy on, on who he is and what role he plays. So we just push him to the side and think, if I ignore him, he'll stay in his corner and I won't have to talk about him. But I want you to know that the Holy Spirit is vitally important for your life today. You see, too often what we do is we talk about the birth of Christ, we talk about Jesus on the cross, we talk about his death and resurrection, and then we skip a whole period of time until he returns. But there's this moment in between his resurrection and his return that we have the movement of the holy spirit that's vitally important i challenge you if you've missed any of this series go back and get the cd grab the podcast grab the vodcast grab the video on the website we've made it readily available to you but go back and let god speak into your life about this series i've tried to approach it from a very practical biblically founded um, series that we're not flying off the handle over here or talking extremes over here, but just looking at the Bible and saying, what does the Bible have to say about the infilling of the Holy Spirit? What does the Bible have to say about the movement of the Holy Spirit in our lives? We've discussed the, the results of a life of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. We've talked about what the Holy Spirit brings in to our lives. We've processed through truths of the Holy Spirit or regarding basic questions of the Holy Spirit. But today, I want to wrap up this series by looking at purpose versus chaos. Purpose versus chaos. Our text, we actually have two texts today, one in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 through 11, and we'll get to the other in just a moment. This one says this. The one person, this, to one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To the, another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another, and to someone else, the one Spirit gives the gift of healing. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in an unknown language, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. So I look at scriptures like this, and I have to wonder, what do we do with it? Do we just go with the statement of, well, we're just following the Spirit lead, so anything goes, whatever happens, happens. No, because I believe that there are times that we blame the Holy Spirit for our inability to follow appropriately. 
Boy, you're quiet. Uh, let me just tell you, this message is going to be a little bit more teaching than it is preaching. So get your pencils out. Get ready to take really good notes. You can take them on your outline. You can grab the Version app. We have the notes all right there. You can take them in there as well. But take good notes today because we're going to try to clear up some of the things that have caused some confusion over the last several years. But I believe that there are times that we blame the Holy Spirit when actually it's just our inability to follow his lead appropriately. You see, the Pentecostal or charismatic circle has been accused for many years of being a bunch of crazies that simply allow anything and everything to run free in the church. Now, this is not a new accusation, and honestly, one that is fairly given in some situations. I've been in those places, I've been in those moments when it's a bit chaos. If you've been around the Pentecostal circle, or if you've been in the charismatic circle very long, you've probably been in one of those moments when it was just a wee bit crazy. No, one's, no one is joining with me on this today. I know you've been there. I I know you've been there. Um, But this is the problem that Paul was facing with the church in Corinth. He took some time in the book of 1 Corinthians to help them see the error of their ways. That's what I want to talk about today. How do we successfully follow the Holy Spirit's leading without becoming a bunch of crazies that are more overwhelmed with the show then we are the spirits. Let me say that again. How do we successfully follow the Holy Spirit's leading without becoming a bunch of crazies that are more overwhelmed by the show than we are the spirits? Here's our second text today. And really, this is the one that we're going to build off of. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. For God is not a God of disorder. God is not a God of disorder, but of peace. As in all the meetings of God's holy people. God is not a God of disorder. So what does that mean? That means God is a God of order. If he's not one thing, he's got to be the other. So if he's not a God of disorder, he's got to be a God of order. But let me say this, we've got to be careful that we don't so confine him into this box and say, well, it's got to be done in order that suddenly we're this rigid um, entity and we really don't allow his spirit to flow. There is this balance between crazy and legalistic or structured or confined. So where, where in the midst of this pendulum do we need to land between crazy and confined? If God's not a God of disorder, but he's a God of order, but yet he, he's not a God of, of, of holding us back, but he's a God of moving us forward, then we've got to be somewhere in this middle realm. It's vital that we take the time to really listen to the Holy Spirit's leading. And not allow ourselves to to run on our own emotions or run on our own experience or on the other side. So be so afraid of the moving of the Holy Spirit that we push everything in and say, I'm just going to sit here quietly. We must follow the prompting of the Holy Spirit in all that we do. The Bible says, let your life be led 
by the Spirit. In all that you say, in all that you do, be led by the moving of the Holy Spirit. The church in Corinth was guilty of focusing more on self and losing sight of the big picture that God had planned. How many of you know God is more concerned about us reaching outward than he is about us reaching inward? Now don't, don't misunderstand me. We've got to look on the inside and fix all the junk that's going on in here. But the book of Philippians says, be more concerned about the person over here. In other words, begin to invest in them. That's why our mission as a church is to love, reach, and empower people of all cultures for Jesus Christ. We are called to reach beyond ourselves. We are called to reach into those around us, to encourage them, to lift them up, to help them become what God has them to be. But the church in Corinth had become self-centered and self-focused they had lost sight of what god really had planned they desired to build themselves up but to put little thoughts into investing in those around them i want you to grasp this the entire point the whole point of the holy spirit is to give us the ability to shine jesus even brighter to those around us did you know that the whole point of the Holy Spirit is to allow us to shine Jesus even brighter. Jesus said the Holy Spirit isn't going to tell you something new. He's going to remind you of what you've already heard. And then Acts 1.8 says when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you'll receive power. Why do we receive power? So we can fly or something? No. So that we can tell those around us about Jesus. See, the whole point of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the whole point of the third part of the Godhead, or what we call the elephant in the room, is so that Jesus can be glorified through our lives. But I fear that, that too many Christians are trying to live their Christian life with two-thirds of God. And they're missing that ultimate connection. We are called to make an impact on others the way God has designed from the start. Before I really get into the meat of the message, let me share with you three abuses of the gift of the Holy Spirit that we see in 1 Corinthians. Three abuses of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Number one, uh, they were causing confusion. The church of Corinth was allowing the moving of the Holy Spirit, or what they were calling the moving of the Holy Spirit, to cause confusion in the church. In fact, it says in 1 Corinthians 14, 9, if you speak to people in words they don't understand, how will they know what you are saying? You might as well be talking to an empty space. So they were allowing the the infilling of the Holy Spirit, they were allowing their, their prayer language, speaking in tongues, as, as we call it, speaking in unknown language, they were allowing this to flow freely to the point that it was causing confusion in the church. And Paul says, man, you can all day long pray in the Spirit, but if people aren't really grasping what God is doing and they don't understand, then you've missed the mark. In verse 8, he says, and if an army bugler doesn't play the right notes, how will the soldiers know that they are being called to battle? The second 
abuse is they were focusing on self. I've seen this one occur a lot. 1 Corinthians 14 says that a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally. Is that a bad thing? No. We, we need to be strengthened personally. We need those moments that we, we don't know what to say. The Bible says that then when we don't have the words to say, when we're not really sure how to pray, that the Holy Spirit prays on our behalf with words that we don't even understand. There are times that, that you're not going to know what to pray, and, and the prayer language takes over for you, and it's interceding to God Almighty, and you need that strengthening time. You need that personal encouragement time but paul says man when you're in the midst of the church really you've got to focus in on what's happening on the whole in other words the individuals being strengthened by the lord he's helping himself grow but the church isn't grabbing any sort of benefit from this verse 12 and 13 he says since you are so eager to have the special abilities the spirit gives seek those that will strengthen the whole church he says, cry out for those that will encourage, that will promote, that will enhance, that will help, that will aid that person beside you that's struggling in your life. Seek those gifts. So anyone who speaks in tongues should pray also for the ability to interpret what is being said. If the message is for the church and not for personal prayer, pray for the interpretation. Now, now, some of you, you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about, Pastor. You have never been in a service when we've had a message in tongues with an interpretation. But here's how this works. God begins to pour out His Spirit upon you, and suddenly you just feel this over-urgency of His presence, and you begin to speak audibly in a, in a word or a tongue you don't understand, and then there's an interpretation. God gives somebody else the words to share of what you just said. That's tongues and interpretation. And he says, if the message is for the church and not just your personal prayer time, you as the individual that gives the tongue, pray for the interpretation. You see, they were in public meetings and speaking in unknown languages, what we refer to as tongues, and then they were being silenced. Paul says, it doesn't matter how many words you say, even if it's five words that the people can understand, it's better than 10,000 words in a language nobody can understand. Right? So they were causing confusion. They were focusing in on self. And number three, they were being prideful. Verse 36 says this, Or do you think God's word originated with you Corinthians? Ooh, I love Paul. Paul, is just, he doesn't hold back. He's just, you guys are self-seeking. You guys are looking at yourself. You guys are concerned about yourself. Do you think this all originated with you? Then he says this. Are you the only ones to whom it was given? You see, the church in Corinth thought that they knew it all. They had become disrespectful of each other. They thought that their gift was the most important, that it was all about them. But now in verse 37, Paul says, If you claim to be a prophet or think you are very spiritual, you should recognize that what I am saying is a command from the Lord himself. 
In other words, he's trying to chop down this wall. He's trying to to knock down this barrier to get to the very meat of what was occurring because they had lost focus of what the moving of the Spirit was all about. In the book, Clear the Stage, Pastor Scott Wilson says this, the whole point of spirit baptism isn't about us. I want you to grab a hold of that. The whole point about you or me or somebody else being baptized in the Holy Spirit, it's not about us. It's about what God wants to do through us to have an impact on others. And the church in Corinth had lost their focus. They thought it was all about them. They thought that they were the center of attention, that their gifting was the most important gifting. They had lost track. But we must remember that these gifts are just that. They are gifts. And just because there have been abuses does not mean we throw them out or cast them out as some would have you believe. I believe, I truly believe, that the gift of the Holy Spirit is relevant and needed and vital for us today. Come on, let that sink in. I believe that the moving of the Holy Spirit is vital for our lives today. So Paul gives us three purposes, three things that I want to look at this morning regarding the Holy Spirit. The first purpose is this, to encourage and strengthen the church. The first purpose of the gifts of the Holy Spirit is not so that we can be glorified, not so that we can say, well, look at the gift God gave me or or look at what I'm able to do. Don't you wish you were as cool as me? No. It's so that we can encourage and strengthen one another. 1 Corinthians 14, 4 says this, a person who speaks in tongues is strengthened personally but one who speaks a word of prophecy strengthens the entire church. Paul consistently encourages us as believers to pursue love. In fact, in verse 1 of chapter 14, he said, let it be your highest goal. Let love be your highest goal. Why? Why didn't he say, let a gift of the Holy Spirit be your highest goal? Why didn't he say speaking in tongues should be your highest goal? Why didn't he say speaking prophecy should be your highest goal? Why didn't he say giving a word of knowledge should be your highest goal or discernment? Why didn't he say this? Because he knew that if we possessed a genuine love for others, and if we truly wrapped ourselves around this idea of love, and by the way, God is defined as love, And the Bible says that if we don't have love in us, you better do some checking because God's missing. God, by the very definition, is love. And and here Paul says, pursue love. Let it be your highest goal because as we pursue love and as we possess a genuine love, I'm not talking about a Sunday morning superficial love. Okay, kids, we're at church now. Let's behave. Come on, any of you do that this morning, don't raise your hand. No, I'm talking about a genuine, real, personal love. 
Paul says, pursue this, possess this love. And as we do this for the body of Christ, we in turn will desire spiritual gifts that will help us to enable those around us. The purpose for your spiritual gift is to enable others to be more like Jesus. The problem that we have is that the church in Corinth had drifted into emphasizing themselves and not others. They had pushed others to the side. And because of that, they have overestimated and even abused the gift of tongues in the public worship and were emphasizing one gift at the expense of others. This led to exercising this gift without interpretation. They were speaking in tongues or in an unknown language, and they were utilizing this gift. And I'm not saying you shouldn't utilize speaking in tongues. I believe it's vitally important. Please hear me clearly today. But they had so gone to the extreme that they had focused this one area and they would speak in tongues, but they wouldn't allow for an interpretation. But Paul uh, proceeds to correct this abuse by pointing out how unprofitable tongues is without an interpretation in a church setting. Man, I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with, with other Christians, and they're like, well, you just shouldn't have tongues in church unless it's interpretation. Well, we're going to talk about the difference in the purposes of tongues in just a moment. Let me share a couple things with you. Um, Paul tells them a couple things. He says, prophecy speaks to people. Prophecy is, it, it gives a listener encouragement. It gives a listener a comfort. It, it reiterates what the Word of God has shared. It, it builds upon the Word of God. It's not self-sustaining by itself. It's got to be backed up. And by the way, if anybody ever gives a word of prophecy, anybody says, I got a word for you, brother, you better make sure it lines up with the Word of God. Listen carefully. Just as there were in the church of Corinth, there are still people today that abuse, abuse the gifts. Sometimes it's not a word of knowledge for you. It's not a prophetic word for you. It's leftover taco salad from last night talking to them. Right? Make sure, I mean, when, when someone comes to me, and I have that periodically, someone says, well, but pastor, I got a word for you, and they begin to share a word, and I'll listen to that word, and all while they're speaking, I'm saying, God, is this something that's relevant in my life, and, and if it is, then I'll accept it, and I will tell them, I accept this word. I had somebody just a couple weeks ago, and they, they began to to share, hey, I believe that God's going to do this, and, blah, 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 and they laid all these things out, and it's exactly the things that I've been praying for and, and believing God for, almost to a T, and they used some specific words, and I looked at them and I said, I receive that. And then I told them, I don't always receive it, because sometimes there's quacks out there. Right? But make sure it lines up with God's word. So prophecy speaks to people, tongues speaks to God. So tongues is your prayer language to God. It encourages and strengthens the individual. Prophecy edifies the church, but tongues edifies the speaker. Paul does not deny the value of tongues, 
But he does place a greater value on building others up or building the church up and not just yourself. He says that prophecy and interpretation of tongues are equally important in church. Did you catch that? Prophecy and interpretation of tongues. I know this is heavy stuff. I mean, this is like tongues 201. I mean, this is like a a sophomore level class here. Um, But I want you to grasp this. You, You need this and let this be built upon what we've discussed over the last several weeks. Again, if this is your first time here, man, this is a lot for the first message. Grab what built up to this moment. Unless tongues are interpreted, the message in tongues does no good for the body. I mean, I could get up here right now and I could begin to to pray in tongues and I could say, hey, Justin, crank this mic up. Let's just test these speakers. And I'm praying in tongues and I'm praying in tongues. And then I get done, turn my microphone off and walk away. That's done you no good. I may have had an incredible spiritual moment and encounter with the Holy Spirit and a moving of his presence in my life. But as a body, we have grown none. We've had no growth. Paul says there's even times when this is causing confusion. That's why Paul points out that an interpreter must be present. Now, I'm not talking about somebody that has gone to college and they've studied every language. I'm talking about a person that has the God-given ability to interpret what is being spoken. In 1 Corinthians 14, it says this, No more than two or three should speak in tongues. They must speak one at a time, and someone must interpret what they say. But if no one is present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. Paul says speaking in tongues has value for the individual, but in a public meeting, our concern should be the value of the whole. But he also says, I wish that every one of you would pray in an unknown language. Is Paul contradicting himself? No. No, but but, but Paul says, you've got to know what's happening. You've got to know your environment around you. I get together with other pastors in our community from time to time, and and oftentimes when we're together, believe it or not, we pray together. But when I'm in these meetings with other pastors, other denominations, I don't get up amongst that meeting and begin speaking in tongues. Because that would cause confusion in the room, right? Right? Let's move on. We're going to get to some of that in just a moment. Please understand that that praying in the Spirit or praying in tongues is vitally important. But speaking in tongues has two purposes. I want you to grab a hold of this. First off, there's your prayer language. This is your time, you and God just worshiping and, and praising and giving God glory. This is your prayer language to God Almighty. Then there's a message in tongues followed by an interpretation. We need both encounters. But if that edification is chaos in a meeting, Paul says it's a detriment. I want to quote a great theologian, Kenny Rogers. He says, you got to know when to hold them. Know when to fold them. Know when to walk away and know when to run. Okay, stop singing the song in your head. 
Now, there's a generation in this room that are like, I don't even know who Kenny Rogers is. <laughs> Parents, educate your kids. The second purpose, to understand when and how, and this is kind of a moving forward from what we just said, know when to hold them. Understand the when and how. 1 Corinthians 14, 9 says this, So if you speak in a way that no one can understand, what's the point of opening your mouth? Nine times in these verses, Paul uses the word understand or understanding. In the word of God, if the word of God is not received or even understood by the people, it becomes lost information. We miss the opportunity to apply God's call. Now, you see, when you're, when you're worshiping God through music, maybe it's during our, our worship time here, or maybe at your home and you've got worship music playing and you're spending some time with God, or, or maybe you're just singing to Him on your own, um, in that experience, you can have so many different emotions. Some of you will begin to cry. Some of you will laugh. Some of you will have a deep inner release and a peace. Some worship out loud and some worship in their prayer language. Some are very quiet. Whatever the experience is, whatever the emotion is, you express it in a way that sometimes seems like it's out of control. You may begin, you may begin to praise in a language that only you can express, and that's incredible. Paul says this in verse 39 and 40. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues. Did you see that? Can we get that? There you go. I guess you didn't see that, did you? Let's try that again. Be eager to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues, but be sure that everything is done properly and in order. You should be aware of your surroundings and the effects of your speaking in an unknown language. You may be getting blessed, and that's incredible. We need those moments. But we must not allow our blessing to cause confusion to those around us. In verse 15, Paul refers to his own experience of tongues or prayer language. He says he prays in the Spirit, he sings in the Spirit, Paul is speaking of his own private prayer language. He says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. Yet in the church, I'd rather have five words that were understandable than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. This tells me that Paul spent a lot of time in his personal prayer time praying in an unknown language. But remember, God is a God of order, not a God of confusion. If you are unsure of when or how the Holy Spirit wants to move, uh, we've placed a new pamphlet in the seat backs for you. It just says gifts of the Spirit. Maybe you want to take one with you, that's fine, or just use it there as a reference. But on the top it says the filter. How many of you know we need a filter? How do you know whether or not it's appropriate time for public gift of the spirits? And then he goes on to ask a few more questions. Does it fit in what the spirit is doing? Would it interrupt what is happening in the service? Does it build up and encourage or comfort those who will hear it? 
Then he goes on and says, if, you were, if it's not appropriate or the timing isn't right, please write it down on a prayer and praise card and bring it to a pastor. See, your responsibility is just to get it to us. Okay? And then we, we're going to talk about discernment in just a moment. And we'll, we'll cipher through that. If the timing is not right, bring it to us and we'll decipher when the right time is. There's a few more questions. I'm not going to go through the entire little pamphlet here. But we have this available to you. That should answer a few of the more of the questions. Uh, purpose number three, to do things in order. Are we, are we seeing a, a trend here? Order. Look at you how quick you are. All that on a Sunday. God is a God of order. 1 Corinthians 14 40, be sure that everything is done properly and in order. Everything is done properly and in order. Verse 26 and verse 40 kind of go together. Everything that is done must strengthen all that are present and let everything be done properly and in order. But Paul gives us several instructions with this idea of order that I want to bounce very, very quickly. If I get a keyboardist up here, wherever they may be. Order and balance. He says, no more than two or three should speak in tongues. They must speak one at a time, and someone must interpret what they say. In a public meeting, those who speak in tongues with interpretation must be done orderly. Avoid confusion at all costs. The speaking must be done by one person at a time. It is permissible to pray in tongues, however, privately during worship. Let me make sure you grab that. In the middle of our worship time, if suddenly God is laying upon your heart and you're just, you're just overflowing with His Spirit and you begin to worship in tongues, do it. Do it. But just know that you don't want that to cause confusion around. So you don't need to fill the whole room in your moment of worship. Unless, in fact, it's a message in tongues and you feel that God is wanting you to do that as a message in tongues and then there'll be an interpretation. Are we following that? I know this is a lot of stuff, guys. I know this is a lot of stuff. Order and truth. We have order and balance. Now order and truth. Let two or three people prophesy. Let the others evaluate what is said. Make sure that it lines up with God's word. We talked about that a moment ago. It must line up with God's word. Evaluate it. Make sure you are listening carefully for the leading of the Holy Spirit. Make sure that you know that it's Him speaking and not just your personal thoughts. There's a huge difference. Sometimes you may have a really good thought, but it's not a thought for the whole body. It's a thought for you. Let God speak in and through you. Listen carefully. Make sure it lines up with His Word and His timing. Number three, order and timing. Remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. In other words, you can control your emotions. So don't miss the right time of when God wants you to speak or not speak. Paul addresses women in this particular moment in the latter verses. He does so because the women are speaking out when they really should be quiet. Apparently, they're asking questions of their husbands in times when the questions really aren't appropriate to be asked. But I would venture to say, knowing what I know of Paul, 
that if men were speaking inappropriately or a child was speaking inappropriately, Paul would have called them out as well. That's just kind of how Paul works. And our final, order and discernment. We talked about this a little bit a moment ago. He says, or do you think God's word originated with you Corinthians? Are you the only ones to whom it was given? If you claim to be a prophet or think you are spiritual, you should recognize that what I am saying is a command, not a request, not a thought, but a command from the Lord himself. But if you do not recognize this, you yourselves will not be recognized. Make sure it's from God and not what you're wanting to say. Check your motives to God's word. Make sure that these principles line up, these purposes line up. I want to end today, I want to give you one more challenging scripture. 1 Corinthians 14, 1. Go after a life of love as if your life depends on it. Go after a life of love as if your life depends on it. Because it does. Give yourselves to the gifts God gives you. Most of all, try to proclaim His truth. In other words, discover, develop, and use the gifts God has blessed you with so that your life can be a blessing to others. Let's go after and encounter.